Don't have the attitude of, I got all of this by my strength, by my hand, and I didn't need any help from God. That's the wrong attitude. Look at verse 18 right here. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Amen. Why? Why why does God want you to have the power to get wealth? Why would God even care if you had any money at all? Well, it says it right here that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day and so the lord he says you got to remember him he has given you the power to get wealth and it's not so you can flaunt it it's not so you can just try to 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 be proud and prideful and, and full of vanity no he says it's so he can establish his covenant. And so godly people, when they prosper, as the scripture says, what do they do? They do good things with their finances. They help fund the gospel. They send missions teams to Honduras to go preach to the little kids. Amen. They do good things with it and they establish the covenant of God. And so you better know this morning that God is not opposed to you being blessed. God is not opposed to you having wealth. He just doesn't want the wealth to possess you. Amen. He wants you to do godly things with what he's blessed you with this morning. And as we obey him, we know that this can happen. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand up today. And we are going to speak some faith over our tithes and our offerings. Then we're going to get right in to some praise and worship and then into the word of God. And I know the Lord wants to speak to you today. So let's be ready for it. Amen. Let's go ahead and say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Okay, as you're worshiping the Lord with your tithes and offerings, go ahead and stay up here and let's praise the Lord together.
lift you up. With all my strength to lift you up. And with all I am to lift you up. With all I am to lift you up. And with all my heart to lift you up, say. With all my heart to lift you up. And with all my soul to lift you up, say. With all my soul to lift you up. And with all my strength to lift you up, say.
I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Let's sing that all my life. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am. pretty good time so far and we haven't even gotten into the message yet so i think we're doing pretty good today hallelujah 
Well, we're going to get into God's word this morning. If you need an outline for the sermon and you didn't get one on the way in, just slip your hand up and the ushers will get one over to you. If you need an outline for the sermon, raise your hand. And again, if you weren't here when we opened up service, I gave a brief apology that uh, uh, it's a little bit warm today and uh, it's because Pastor Dave uh, tried to uh, experiment with the air conditioning and I have clearly, my experiment didn't work. So I apologize to everybody this morning, uh, but I uh, stick with us and we're going to get into the word of God today. And I believe uh, that he is going to speak to every single one of us. Amen. And so uh, the title today may, uh, you know, the the title, I got to explain it because you're like, wow, that just sounds pretty rough, pretty straightforward. But the title is this, it's called Be a Man. Now, some of you are here today and you're like, well, that's impossible for me. And yes, for some of you, that's impossible. But uh, if you're a female, it's impossible. That's what I'm saying. But what I, if you're a male, this is absolutely possible. And it's actually a command from God. Now, here's the thing. Uh, out of studying scripture, I have found three specific places where the Bible straight up tells you as a man to be a man. And uh, and, and I like that. I, I I like that. A lot of people today would, would think of that phrase kind of, you know, well, you know, that's old school. That's not how we do it anymore. That's too much masculinity. And that's an offensive phrase. And, and listen, we, we acknowledge that, yeah, there are cases where, where, uh, some people have taken masculinity too far and, and whatnot. We acknowledge that. But I also can say this much. We need some strong, godly, masculine men in 2023. Not just masculine, we need that, but godly masculine men, men that will stand up for what's right, men that will lead their families, and men that won't apologize for what the Bible says. Amen? And uh, I mean, there's not even anything controversial about that. Uh, I, I kind of read a funny news article this week that it, it made me chuckle a little bit, but there was a young lady uh, that, that had posted something on, you know, to one of those websites, and and, uh, and she said that she's modern and progressive, but she still desires a masculine man with manners and, you know, old school old school manners. And so she wrote an article complaining that all of the masculine, manly, polite men are conservative Christians. And she can't stand that. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. She's like, I want this, but I don't want them to believe in God. I want a man that still treats a lady like a lady, but I don't want him to mix all the God stuff in the middle of it. And she just can't find anybody like that in the circles and in the places that she's looking. She said every man she goes out with either wants to split the check or some actually ask her to pay for dinner. Uh, You know, none of them will hold the door or anything like that. And I, the way I was raised, uh, we don't do it that way. Amen. We treat a lady with respect and manners and some politeness. We hold the door. And if that's old school, then, hey, I'll be old school all day long. All I know, amen. I met a beautiful young lady 21 21 years ago. and, And I started treating her like like a lady. You know, there's a lot I didn't know, but I knew to hold the door open for her. I knew that when we, we were little teenage kids, if we went to McDonald's, I was going to pay. Anyway, I can see this isn't a popular message today, but, uh, but hey, I treated her like a lady and uh, 21 years later, I've still got her. So I'm pretty happy about that. Amen. And so, you know, but, but I will say this as we get into the message today, we do need God-based God-based, Bible-based masculinity in 2023. God made men different from women for a reason. Amen. Modern culture, (laughs) modern culture tries to dumb that down and say that men don't need women and women don't need men, but that is not the truth. We need each other. Amen. How many of you men know that you need women? You needed a mama. Amen. And you need, you need a, a wife in this life, man. And, uh, I've, I've learned that. The, I've learned that. I know this. We need each other. And so no matter how hard we try, there are things that women can do that men cannot do. And there's things that men can do that women cannot do. 
And I know that that sounds offensive and politically incorrect, but I know this much. God is not stupid. He made the two sexes on purpose, and he made our differences to complement and complete each other. And so when a man and a woman team up in marriage, God calls the two of them coming together as being whole. Amen? Two halves, and especially you get God in the middle, that makes one whole. And so it's a beautiful thing that God created, and you can only get it with a male and a female joining together in unity. That's not uh, old school. That's not controversial. That's just the way that God made it. Amen. And so uh, the title today, and I'm going to explain this, is be a man. And I, I usually only, I like to preach sermons on Mother's Day, on Father's Day that apply to everybody. So women, get what you can get out of this, but it's specifically uh, pointed to our men today. And I'm going to show you three things that I've personally found in the Bible, three different times where God told a man like, hey, be a man. All right. And, uh, and specifically, uh, it's speaking through some other great men. So, uh, let's pray. And then we're going to get in to the word of God today. And I believe that this is a message that we need to hear in 2023. Let's go. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God, and we thank you that it is the answer book, Lord. It is our basic instructions before leaving earth, and so we've got the manual, we've got the how-to book right here, and I pray in Jesus' name that as we open it up today, that you will speak to us and show us what we need to see from the holy word of God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. All right. Three times today, three different passages we're going to look at. And the the first lesson is this. Number one, number one, to be a man God's way, you have to obey the word of God. To be a man God's way. Because I found out there's a lot of, people have a lot of different definitions like, well, a real man does this and a real man does that and, you know, whatever. I'm not interested in everybody's different opinions. I'm interested in being a man the way that God said to do it. So let's look at First Kings chapter 2. First Kings chapter 2. Amen. And this first instance is a story of King David. Who's heard of King David. Amen. All right. First Kings chapter two. And what we have here is David. He is older in life. He is getting ready to pass on and die. And uh, he has having a conversation with his own son. And so first Kings chapter two, and we're going to look at verses two through three. And I just find this conversation fascinating. This is a man of God having a godly conversation. He tells his son, verse two, I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. You know that, right? Hey, unless you get raptured out of here, we're going to die someday. It's the way that it is. And so he's saying everyone on earth must go this way someday. But here, listen to this. He says, take courage and be a man. Woo! Yeah, man, give me something right there. Yeah, take courage and be a man. And somebody would say, you can't, no, that's wrong. You can't do that. Yes, you can. The Bible said it right here. Verse 3, here's how he wants his son to be a man. Verse 3, observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses. That was the word, the Bible they had at the time. So that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. That's some instructions right there. Now, <clears throat> check it out. King David, if you want to get real about it, was arguably one of the most successful men of all time. You understand that, right? I mean, this is not some guy that was a loser or, a, you know, just an, an underachiever. David was a man and he was a king and he was a very successful man. And I mean, he was manly. Let's just get real. This is the dude that killed Goliath when he was still just a teenager, right? I mean, David had killed lions and bears and giants. He had been on the battle lines in the army many, many times. This was 
not a sissy of a dude, but check it out. It's very interesting for me that, that out of reading his instructions, he didn't say, Solomon, be a man. I want you to fight as many people as you can possibly fight. I want you to get as many girlfriends as you can possibly get. I want you to make as much money as you can get. That's the mark of a real man. David didn't say any of that. He said, you need to grow up, take courage, and be a man. And the way that you're going to do that is by obeying and observing the law of God. Now, I know that when I come across somebody that's actually successful and they're godly, I pay attention to what they have to say. And I, I mean, I, I've made a note of this. Somebody, if King David walked in right now and said, hey, I want to give you some advice on, on how to be a father and on how to be a man, you better believe I would sit down with a notebook and I would say, tell me, I want to hear everything that you have to say because he's got the goods to back it up. And so when he says, hey, take courage, son, be a man. And the way that you're going to do this is by obeying and observing the requirements of the Lord, your God, obey the law of Moses. Again, that's the Bible that they, they had at that time. And I think that that is the absolute best advice that I've ever seen in my life. Men, do you think that obeying the word of God is something that is pretty important to your success. And I know that one of the most difficult things, but most important things we can learn in life is to listen to the voice of the father and obey him. Now, as good of a dad as you may be today, dad, God is the ultimate father. And we understand that when he tells us to do something, it's always for our good. Now, I don't know any dad that I would say is a good dad that just tells their kid to do things just because they like to flex on them and, and, you know, prove that, hey, blah, 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 I'm in. No. When I give my kids instructions, it's always for their good. I don't just do it because I like to talk a lot. You know, when I say, hey, don't do that, that's going to end up hurting you in life. That's not because I mean, it's because I care about my children, Right. I don't want them to grow up and be stupid. Amen. And, and when I tell them, hey, we're going to read the Bible in this house. We're going to sit down and sometimes we have a family meeting. Amen. Dads, moms, you ever have a family meeting at your house? Sometimes we have a family meeting and the Bible is always present <laughs> when we do it because I have some things that I need them to learn from the word of God. And there's nothing that I tell my kids that I tell them to harm them or just because I want to see them, you know, uh, obey me. No, it's always for their good. Now, when God tells us something through his word or maybe some other way, is it just because God's mean and he's a dictator and, and he just wants you to really know who's in charge? No, he's a loving father. And when he speaks to you, it may not be what you want to hear, but it's always because he loves you and wants the absolute best for you. If he says, leave that alone, it's no good for you. That's not because he's mean. It's because he loves you and he doesn't want you getting hurt. If he says, hey, I need you to start doing this over here. Well, is it because he's mean and, and he wants to take away your fun? No, it's because he loves you and he always knows what's best for us. And so... David was talking to his son, who was, you know, a young man at this time, and telling him, you need to learn to hear the voice of God and obey his word. And I know this much. It's a lot better to learn to obey God and his word now in life than it is later in life. How many of you parents wish you could have known some of this a little bit earlier on in life, but then you didn't have to learn it later on in life? And I've also found that it's nice when you learn because you chose to listen and not because you had to learn the hard way and get hurt. And we know that pain is a, you know, it's, it's a teacher, all right, but that's not always the first way that we should learn. It would be a lot better if we could just listen to the word of God. And I've found that you can either learn through pain or you can learn through someone else's pain. You ever figured that out? Amen. And so David had learned some lessons the hard way. And his bottom line advice to his son was listen to God 
and obey God. It's the manliest thing that you can do. And it'll change your life. But that's an example from King David. I want to get to the second thing today, and that's this, all right? And so two of the uh, passages we're looking at today come from uh, some really godly men. But look at this. First Corinthians, number two is this, be strong, all right? We're going to talk about being, being a man, God's way. Number two, be strong, be strong. And we're going to look at First Corinthians chapter 16. First Corinthians 16. Are you still with me today? First Corinthians chapter 16. And we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. First Corinthians 16. And we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. Has anybody else found out that God's a lot smarter than you are? I learned that a while back. And, you know, hey, it was a good lesson. (laughs) We learn that on a regular basis, don't we? That his ways are not our ways, but his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so, first of all, we saw King David telling his son Solomon, hey, be a man. Be courageous. Follow the ways of God. And here we have uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. And it's 1 Corinthians 16. And we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. I'm going to start it off in the NLT. Then I'm going to explain something, all right? And so Paul is telling these men in Corinth, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong and do everything with love. Now, going to verse 13 right there, my NLT Bible has an asterisk after the phrase, be courageous. And it tells me that in the Greek, the phrase Paul used is literally, be men. And if you've got a King James Bible, a New King James Bible, pretty much any translation right there, it literally says, Paul literally said, be Men, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be a man, be strong. And the, the Young's literal, people ask me this, well, what's the most literal, accurate translation? Well, if you want to get very literal, the Young's literal translation is the most literal translation that you can get. The problem is, is that it's very hard for a lot of us to understand because of the way that it's actually outlined in the Hebrew and Greek. And so anyway, literally the most literal translation that you have in English is the Young's literal translation. Put that up there mainly. Verse 13, it actually says, watch ye stand in the faith, be men, be strong. I love this. And so this verse tells us some characteristics of being a godly man are being on guard. A good man guards and protects his family. Who knows that? Yeah. And and so our mind naturally goes to thinking about guarding from physical threats such as burglars or prowlers. But these days there's many additional threats that we have to guard our families from such as the terrible online influences. Anybody notice that? Amen. A lot of our sick modern culture, as the man of the house, I've got a duty from God and before my family to guard them and protect them from some of these things. It also says to stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. Now, there's a lot of different enemies trying to sway you in your faith. But the scripture tells us right here, stand firm, man. I see it like, stand firm like a sequoia tree. The wind may blow, but that's not going anywhere. Don't give in to the pressures around us. And in case you haven't caught on yet, dad, mom, the enemy is after your kids. Oh, don't you sound like an old man now. No, I'm telling you, the enemy is after your children today. I'm talking about the devil, Satan, the lion, amen, that, that goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And, and, and we know this much that 
dads have a responsibility, moms too, but have a responsibility to step up and protect our families, our children from the lies of the enemy and the, the, the deceit and the tricks of the devil that are trying to come in and mess with our kids. Has anybody else noticed that today? Amen. And we got to take our job really, really seriously. And another thing this verse tells us is to be courageous. Well, what is courage? Courage is doing something, overcoming something that scares you. And so I used to think that courageous and fearless were the same thing. They're not. If somebody is actually fearless, then they can't be courageous. Because the only way to be courageous is to do something that actually scares you. And so the Bible says, it acknowledges that being a man doesn't mean that you're never afraid of anything. But it means you've got the courage to overcome that fear and do the right thing. That is courage. Amen. And so uh, that's something that we can never, ever, ever lose sight of. But but check it out. Verse 14 throws something in there that, that I find very, very interesting. It, it tells us to do everything with love. Do everything with love. Now, Love is not one of the words that we usually associate being manly with, right? Uh, it's just in our culture, in our society, uh, that's, you know, a lot of different words may come to mind. But love is not always one of those words. But apparently, it is one of the words that God associates being manly with, right? It says, hey, be men, be courageous, be strong. But on top of all that, do everything with love. And so I know guys that can fight and brawl and make a fool of themselves and think that they're super manly, but according to God, he's not impressed with that. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. I've learned that the things that impress people on earth are not the things that impress God in heaven. You know, you may think, hey, well, this is very impressive. I've got this much money. I've accomplished this, this, and this. And God sent up there saying, that does not impress me. When I asked you to do this over here, I'm not impressed. And so there may be things that you do to live according to the Bible that doesn't impress anybody here on earth. They may even think you're weak. Well, hey, how come you didn't do this? How come you didn't retaliate in this? Because I'm a man. I live my life according to the Bible. And you better know that sometimes it takes more strength to obey the Bible and turn the other cheek and to go the extra mile and to do unto others as you would have them do unto you than it takes to go out there and make a fool of yourself and, and ruin your Christian witness in front of your wife and kids and church family. All right, you know, you don't have to agree with me, but praise God. Hey, listen this morning that it takes some courage to do things God's way and to turn the other cheek and do everything with love. And this is God's standard of being a man. I want to show you where right here, flip back a couple pages to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. And man, this is a famous passage of scripture. We know this. This is called the love chapter of the Bible. And you're like, man, I thought we were talking about being a man today. We are. We're talking about God's definition, God's standard of being a man, being an adult, being a grown up, being a woman of God. So 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to look here at verses 4 through 7. And so we, you know, we've preached on this a thousand times, but we know this much. When we use the word love, everybody kind of brings their own definition to the table. Some people think we're talking about romance. Some people think we're talking about this way. But I don't care what everybody else's opinion or definition of love is. What I want to look at is God's definition of love. And so this right here, 1 Corinthians 13, is God's dictionary Bible definition of love. It says this right here. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous 
or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. Wait, I thought part of being a man was holding a grudge and getting revenge on your enemies. No, that's the biggest sign of weakness that I can come across right there. That's weak. Look at this. Verse 6, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Wow, what a list of things right there. This is not sissy stuff. This is God's definition of love. Now notice that. I mentioned it right there. One of the things on God's list is love keeps no record of being wronged. Well, that's, that's, that means you're weak. That means you've got no spine. No, according to God, that means you're a man of God right there. I don't need to seek revenge. Why? Well, revenge belongs to the Lord. The book of Romans tells me that. And if somebody does me wrong as a child of God and I leave it in God's hands, they'll get what's coming to them, but it doesn't have to be through me. If I take it upon myself to do that job, then I've taken it all out of God's hands, and then I've got myself in a mess. Then I'm going to get myself in trouble on top of that person being in trouble. And so it tells us that God's love keeps no record of being wronged. I absolutely love that part of God. Don't you love it that God keeps no record of your wrongs? When you repent, when you forsake your sins, he lets it go. He doesn't hold it against you for the rest of your life. Amen. Who wants to be loved like God loves you? You want other people to treat you that way? Well, then that's how you are to love other people. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And I, I mean, I love that about God. I'm so thankful that he forgives me. One guy that I, you know, knew at one point, I thought he was one of the manliest men that I ever knew. And then I found out that he kept a record of every minor little wrong thing that people did to him. He, he could remember someone looked at him cross-eyed five years ago. See that guy right there? Never. I'm like, you know what? You're not the manliest man I know. You're the weakest man I know. That's weak. I mean, that's, that's snowflake status right there. Look, listen to me. That is not how a man of God lives. A man of God can, you know what? I, he did it, but I forgive that brother. I am moving forward with Jesus. That is a strong, strong man. That's the type of man that I want to be. That's the type of men that I want to raise my sons to be. Men of God. That can say, you know what, I'm not keeping track of it. It's, it's fine. It's fine. I forgive you and move forward because I need the peace of God in my life. I need the joy of the Lord in my life. I need my faith to work for the prayers. I've got some big prayers, people. I'm believing God for some big things for my family, for this church, for your lives. I pray over you every day. I'm believing God for huge things to happen in your life. But I also know this much, that according to Galatians 5, 6, my faith works by my love. And if I hold grudges, and if I'm mean and nasty and can't forgive anybody, my faith isn't going to work anyway. I can't live with that. It is too big of a burden to bear. I love you. I forgive you. And I'm not holding anything against anybody in this world. Amen. I love people because Jesus loves me. And I do want my prayers to get answered because I want to see blessings on everybody in this church. I want to see blessings on this church. And I want to see blessings on my own family. Amen. Faith works by love. Who knows that a man of God is strong enough to love and forgive others just like Jesus did. Amen. Let's hear it for the men of God today. Come on. And so it takes courage. Hallelujah. And number three is this. Check it out. We're looking at three different references to the scripture saying, hey, be a man. Now, the first two came from men. All right. 
The first two, number one was from King David telling his son that. The second one was the Apostle Paul telling the men of the church in Corinth, hey, you guys need to be men. But the third reference I'm going to look at is God Almighty himself talking to the man Job. And it is, it's not a very pretty conversation, but I mean, imagine that. Imagine that God has to show up to you and say, all right, man, knock it off. Be a man and grow up. You know, that's not exactly something that we want to hear, but this is something that I want you to see. Let's turn to the book of Job today. Amen. Job, Job chapter 40. Now, the book of Job is one of the most interesting books in the Bible. Uh, just to give you a very, very brief synopsis of it. Uh, Job is a very rich and successful man that serves God. Well, one day, uh, Satan is talking to God. and He's like, the only reason Job even serves you is because of all the stuff you've given him. Basically, he's saying, Job serves you because you've spoiled him, and he's basically a spoiled brat. He doesn't actually love you, God. If he were to lose everything, he would curse you to your face. And so God, uh, God steps aside, you know. God doesn't do anything to Job, but God steps aside, and Job is put through a pretty difficult season of testing. If you've read the book of Job, you could agree that it is a pretty difficult time period that Job goes through. And so Job ends up losing everything, his possessions, nearly everything. He doesn't lose his wife, but he loses his possessions, his money, most of his family. And he spends the entire book complaining and saying really some very bad things, honestly. He says some very bad things in the book of Job. And eventually he gets to the point where he curses the day he was born and he yells at God. He said, you should have let me be born dead. Why didn't you kill me the moment I was born? And that is about the height of the very bad conversation that Job is having with God. And so finally God reaches his point and says, all right, all right, you've done all the talking. Now it's time for me to say a few things right here. And we get to chapter 42, all right? Or, uh, chapter 40. And, uh, and, and, and look at this, all right? Chapter 40, verses 6 and 7. Finally, it's God's turn. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. He said, brace yourself like a man because I've got some questions for you and you must answer them. Woo. You have to answer them. And that's point number three today. Being a man, you have to answer to God. But, but check this out. This is a harsh conversation if you read the next couple of chapters. But I love how God talks to Job here. He basically says, okay, tough guy. If you think that you can run things better than me, be a man and say it to my face. Woo-hoo-hoo! Because this whole chapter, he said, hey, God, you should have done it this way. Hey, God, you should have killed me. Hey, God, what about this? And there's a lot of people that they may not, they may not realize it, but they're basically telling God in not so many ways, not so many words, uh, hey, you know what? I could do a better job than you could do. Here's how I would have done it. And God will put up with that for a while. You know, he's very uh, uh, very rich in love and slow to anger. But after a while, he comes to the place like, okay, all right, hey, smarty pants, you know everything? Hey, tell me how it should be done. And God says, brace yourself. We're fixing to have a conversation. Brace yourself like a man. I've got some questions and you are going to answer them. You are not dodging these questions. Who knows that as you grow up, there comes a point in time when you got to answer some questions. Now, when you're younger, you can kind of dodge the tough questions in life. You can kind of skip the difficult conversations and, and find a way around it. But part of being a man, part of being a woman of God is there are some questions that God's going to ask and you're going to have to answer them. And he says, all right, we're going to talk about this. And if you read the next two chapters, 
It's actually kind of funny because if you think that you're good at, 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 uh, at talking smack and roasting somebody, God's hilarious at it. And so he goes through two chapters of like, okay, tough guy, what about this? All right, smarty pants, what about this? And, and he just, he, he, he drags Job through it. And then finally he's like, okay, Job, what is your response to everything that I just said? And Job finally gets to a place in chapter 42 where he says, you know what? I should have kept my mouth shut. I've been talking about things that I've got no business talking about. Who in here, you, if you were to be mature right now and honest, there's been times you ran your mouth about stuff. You had no business. You had no business talking about that. You, you'd had no idea what you were even talking about. In fact, the book of Proverbs says it this way, only a fool spouts off before knowing all the facts. And there's a lot of people that, hey, I would have done it this way. Hey, why didn't God do it like this? And hey, 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 hey. And God's saying, you know what? Hey, let's talk. Tell me, great one. Tell me, smart one, how I should have done it. How could I have done it any better than what I did it? And eventually, God asks us, some what we would call difficult questions. But, but Job gets to this place. He's like, you know what? I, I, I'm stupid. Why did I even do that? I talked about things I had no business talking about. Job repents to God and says, forgive me. Forgive me. I, 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 I'll, I'll quit. He repents. He shuts his mouth. And Job 42, around verse 10, it says that God forgives Job. Thank God that he always forgives. But on top of that, he restores everything that Job had lost. But on top of that, he gives Job back a double portion of everything that had been taken away from him. Isn't that like our father that, hey, we get our act together, man, and we shut our little mouths after a while that he forgives us and he will restore things back to us that the enemy lost. But not just restore, he will double it. He will give us a double portion. And I want to look at one last verse today as we close things out. It's Romans chapter 14 and verse 12. Romans 14 and verse 12. And so what we're saying is this today, that according to the Bible standards, we have at least three places in scripture where it straight says, hey, be a man. And this is how you do it. And one of those is King David uh, talking to his son. He says, you need to obey the word of God. You need to obey the Lord your God. And then the Apostle Paul said, hey, be courageous, be strong, be a man. And then God himself said, hey, answer some questions. You've got to answer to me now. Romans 14 and verse 12, because we know this, that even if we can dodge God's questions here on earth, we do eventually have to give an answer to God when we die. Who knows that? Well, you maybe you can run and dodge it all right here, but eventually Everybody stands before God someday. Nobody is exempt from this. 100% of people will eventually answer to God. And he says in Romans 14, verse 12, it says, Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. That's a really big deal. We will give a personal account to God. You're not going to answer to God for what I did in this life. You're going to answer to God for what you did in this life. And we can try to run from that. We can try to dodge it. But the greatest thing we can do is right now to answer to God. Right today, right now, man. June 18th, 2023. Say, you know what, God? Yeah, let's talk, man. I, I've been dodging it. I've been running it. Uh, but, but I'm listening to you today. And it takes some courage to answer to God. It takes some courage to admit that you are not perfect. It takes some courage to say, there are some problems that I'm not strong enough to handle on my own. There's some battles that I'm not smart enough to overcome with my own wit and understanding. I need God. I need a Savior. And today would be a great day to respond to that. Or maybe there's other things that God's been talking to you about besides your salvation. Maybe there's some other things. Today would be a great day to say, okay, I'm, I'm listening. Dad, I'm sorry. I'm going to quit running. <laughs> Talk. 
I'm ready to have this conversation. What a great day, man, on Father's Day to have a conversation with our Heavenly Father. Amen. Can we go ahead and stand up together today? We're going to go ahead and kind of bring it in for a landing right there. But I, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you today. And I want to give you the opportunity to respond to our Heavenly Father. I know we've done a lot of things today. We've looked at a lot of stuff. We've told jokes. We've done all this stuff. But the bottom line is this, is that if we're here and we do not have a proper relationship with our Lord, amen, with God the Father, with Jesus Christ the Son, nothing else is going to work in life. We're going to keep trying to, to, to do things and it's going to fail. We have to get this one thing right. And then the other things begin to fall into place. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to lead us in a prayer together. And if you're here and you've just really never had a relationship with Jesus, then today's the day, man. First time. Amen. But maybe you're here and at some point you did have a relationship with the Lord. Somewhere along the way, you kind of let go and, and walked away from God. We're not here to, to point fingers or to judge you on that. We're here today to restore the relationship with Jesus to restore the relationship with God. And so I want to lead you in this prayer today. And this is the best chance you'll ever have to make things right with God. Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Let's close our eyes. Let's say this together. Father in Jesus name. Father. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died. That he rose again. Jesus. Forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you. Give me the strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Hallelujah. Listen, if you're here and you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you're not playing around, you're getting serious about your relationship with God right now. I've got my man Jose over here. Uh, hallelujah. Hey, listen, if, if you would like some additional help, some additional resources, uh, we've got a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer where we will set you up with another, uh, another brother, another sister from church here uh, over the course of the next month. They'll text you every day. They'll pray with you. They'll pray for you. They'll answer questions you may have. They will mentor you to get you started on your relationship with the Lord. Come see Jose as we're praying for people. He'll get your information and we will hook you up with someone. Amen. Can I have my prayer team come forward today? Amen. If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, uh, we want to agree with you in faith and watch the Lord move and work in your life. And so if you need prayer, come on up and I'm going to have Pastor Josh uh, lead us in one final worship song today. If you need prayer, come on up. If you don't need prayer, well, now's your time to be reverent. Now's your time to release your faith with everybody else that does need prayer. Amen. So let's take just a few minutes here today. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God of your voice and you have led me through the fire in darkest nights and you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good 
every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so goodness of God your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you everything your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me With my life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you everything Your goodness is running after It's running after me All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God And your goodness is running after It's running after me your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, 
It's running after me All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able of the goodness of God with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God still got some ministry going on up here so we'll be reverent to that as we uh, close things down just a couple of reminders that there's no 6 p.m. service tonight so you know uh, just make sure you let those know that usually come on uh, Sunday nights and uh, we'll spend the day celebrating dads and whatnot uh, we do have for service Wednesday so let's be here for that it's going to be absolutely incredible and for the third and final time today I apologize that I messed with the air conditioning forgive me you still love me right you told me earlier you did so all right it may not be perfect next week but it'll be better than this so <laughs> love you guys so much amen well let's go ahead and uh close out in prayer there's no special instructions regarding the kids right they're getting picked up at their own regular place okay very good well let's close in prayer and then we'll do our barstow faith confession and you can be dismissed amen father in jesus name we thank you lord uh, for what we've seen in the word of god today and lord we thank you for the godly men that we have in our lives lord and we understand that none of the men here are perfect. Uh, Lord, I'm not perfect. None of these guys are, but thank you, Jesus, that we admit that. And Lord, we sure are trying. We are sure are trying our best to live for you. And we thank you that you are blessing every family, every household here in the name of Jesus. Let this be a wonderful Father's Day. And most of all, we want to honor you, our Heavenly Father, because you are perfect and you have never done wrong to any of us, Lord. And so we honor you and celebrate you today. And we thank you, Jesus. The rest of this week is going to be a home run, wonderful week. And we're coming back together next time. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? All right, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow today. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.